1: appreciate you joining us today, and we're going to have a great interview, although I have to say that I am really fortunate to have Marcus as my guest today because I had technical difficulties. And in the recording world, I have not had technical difficulties in now 188 episodes. Uh, I went to record, and I couldn't hear Marcus at all. I had to let him go, and I fiddled with it, and I had a short in uh, one of my chords, and I was able to wiggle it around and get it going. But it has totally thrown me off my game But we're going to move forward anyway. So I'm just going to ask Marcus to introduce himself and tell us what he does because I sort of wasted our time for our pre-interview fiddling with my equipment. And, you know, rather than hiding that from the audience, I just sort of think put it all out there. I messed up and we're just diving in and I'm not prepared to introduce Marcus, so I'm going to let him do it himself. Hey, welcome to Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do.
0: Thanks, Tom. Uh, It's nice to be with you. Uh, I've listened to your podcast. Uh, for the past few weeks, uh, and I'm excited to be here.
1: No, so, I'm, I'm excited you're here, and like I said, normally we would spend 15 minutes sort of chatting about where we want to go with this and what I want to ask you, but my time and your time is very valuable, and so we're just jumping in and talking, so why don't you tell everybody who you are and what you do? Sure. My name is
0: Marcus Siggy, and I'm the founder of a company called uh, Tintico, which is a luggage company, uh, plain and simple. We make bags Um, And we've decided to tackle, um, you know, a pretty traditional product, old school product that a lot of people have, but we felt uh, that we wanted to put a new spin on it. And uh, we have some pretty big ideas on our distribution models and um, points of contact with customers as well as this pretty interesting and... um, inspiring brand that we want to build. But ultimately, we are combining some old school products with some new school ideas.
1: So one of the reasons I wanted to have you on the show is clearly because of what I do for a living, being a speaker and a professional master of ceremonies, I'm on the road a lot. And early on, I thought I could get away with sort of cheap knockoff luggage because who needs to spend money on luggage? (laughs) <laughs> and I learned really quick that your best friend when you travel a lot is your small carry-on and your garment bag. And I've learned that the hard way. And so the fact that you make luggage and you want to do it better and different, I thought was pretty exciting. So how, what are you doing to make luggage more exciting?
0: Well, one of the things that I think is fascinating, I mean, I've been working on this project for about a year now. And what's interesting is that everybody has an opinion on luggage, right? I mean, it's not like... A very a very technical item or an app that only some people use is, I mean, everybody's got a suitcase. And so I start talking to people at cocktail parties. I talk to people uh, all day every day about luggage, and everybody's got a story. And so you, you, you ask one person what's important to them in a, in a bag, uh, and it might be completely different uh, from someone else. And so we have no… We are under no uh, illusion that we are making the one perfect bag for everybody. Uh, In any design uh, process, there are constraints and there are trade-offs. And so, what we looked at when we were creating a bag, a physical product, um, was you know we we basically uh, this whole thing started when I needed a new suitcase, Uh, and ultimately I was looking for something that. didn't cost a fortune and i thought to myself why does it why does why does everything cost five hundred six hundred dollars to get a great piece of luggage and all these cheap options cost uh... much less but they're obviously made from lower quality components and materials and what i realized when i started looking at these bags is that they come with all the stuff that i don't even really want um, that all i really need is a is a you know an empty vessel to fill with my clothes uh... and it pretty simple at the end of the day, and so you have all these really complicated bags, with all these complex features that I didn't use, and then you had really poor quality bags, and we thought to ourselves, let's create a new type of bag, which is essentially a very simple feature set, but very high quality components, and so in that way, make a really great bag really affordable.
1: Well, you bring up an interesting point that everybody has a story about luggage, and I'm, I'm involved with the National Speakers Association, and we have – a group of us have a private chat, book, chat room on Facebook with about, I don't know, a couple hundred speakers. And every now and then someone will bring up the luggage story mm-hmm. about what should I buy and where should I get it, and everybody will tell stories of who they like best and why they like them best and because of their warranty. And then inevitably everybody will say how they learned that you wanted to have a high-quality bag versus just whatever. And mine was I flew to Hong Kong. And I got off the train, and I had about a quarter-mile walk, maybe a little more, to my hotel. But it was sort of convoluted up some stairs and across some things and down. And on the plane, the luggage people had clearly tossed the bag, and one of the wheels on my bag had sheared off. So I was dragging the bag, and it sort of had half a wheel, and it was going, th-thunk-cunk, th-thunk-cunk. but I couldn't carry it the whole you know, half-mile or however far I had to go. And at the end of that, I said, you know, to hell with that. I'm never buying anything with cheap wheels again. And (laughs) so everybody has a story and mine was my, you know, swish flop thud through Hong Kong.
0: Well, one of the interesting things about luggage is the fact that it always fails on you at the worst time, right? (laughs) It fails on you while you're using it. It doesn't, luggage doesn't break sitting in your closet. (laughs) Uh, It breaks while it's being used. And that's normally in transit away from home, uh, which I think creates, I mean, that's why people hate luggage because when it breaks, it's the worst time.
1: Oh, yeah. And, and we've all been standing there on the turnstile when a bag is ripped open, and all of a sudden everybody's underwear is kind of coming around on the turnstile with everything else.
0: Oh, absolutely. And, and just to, to, to get back to your point on, on the luggage wheels, uh, one of the things that we have integrated into our, into our luggage is um, this idea that uh, you can replace your wheels without having to mail it off. And so, what we've done is with a hex key. Um, when your wheel breaks, we send you a new one so you don't have to go through the process of sending your bag off for repairs or even taking it in for repairs. Uh, We ship you a new wheel uh, and you can screw it in right there on the spot.
1: That's awesome. I have an idea. You should actually include an extra wheel inside, like in the trunk of a car, you have your spare tire. Every bag could have a spare tire.
0: So we've thought about that and I'm I'm not ruling it out, but it's one of these things where we feel like by the time you actually need that wheel. You're going to have forgotten where you put it, where you put it. And <laughs> well, so, that's
1: why it should be included like a little trunk in a little zip, a Ziploc bag like my car has it kind of in a hidden compartment under the trunk. And then it just stays in the suitcase. Right. So it's just always with you because how big is a wheel and a jack? It's just always there.
0: It's that's true. That's true. And I think that that might be uh, that might be something we end up doing. So, I mean, because it would be nice for you to have that on the spot. Uh we're just, you know, we'll we'll see how often it actually makes it into the bag.
1: <laughs> so Marcus, have you always been an entrepreneur or were you just sitting around one day and said, I have to make luggage?
0: No, it's actually a pretty interesting uh well interesting to me story. But uh no, I started out my career in uh commercial real estate. I worked in finance for a number of years in New York. And um to give you the the abridged version of how I got where I'm at, ultimately it, this was post the financial crisis in 2011, uh, I was working for a private equity fund in New York and I just said, you know, uh, I've always really wanted to go travel, see more of the world. I've always really wanted to learn Spanish and um, we've gotten through this financial crisis and I'm kind of I'm kind of ready to really just do something different. And so I did one of those um, quarter life crisis moves and just quit my job, sold everything, moved to South America. Backpacked around until I realized I'm not a backpacker anymore. I'm 29. Uh, <laughs> this doesn't really. I don't really want to be traveling this way. Um, so I ended up settling down, getting an apartment in Bogota, Colombia, learning Spanish. Ultimately, uh, through a series of, of events, was asked by the largest private equity fund in the country to launch a real estate company for them, and stayed a couple more years in Colombia doing that. Uh, When I moved back to the US, um, I intended to do real estate but realized I love travel too much and I didn't want to do real estate anymore. Uh, I was looking for a new product and at the same time, uh, sorry, I was looking for a new um, endeavor and at the same time, I was looking for a new suitcase and I couldn't find anything I wanted Uh, and through a roundabout way of sort of reasoning of what I wanted to do and what I wanted to do next, ultimately decided I want to make suitcases.
1: I think that's great. So what do you love about the life of being an entrepreneur?
0: Um, what I love about being an entrepreneur, uh, and it's definitely a mixed bag, right? It's, there's, there's ups and downs, there's challenges every day, but I love working on something that's really interesting to me. Um, channeling all of my energy into something that I get up every day and I want to solve, I want to solve these problems. Um, and there's just I found that in my previous life of, of um, being a little bit further down the chain and having six different bosses, ultimately I had to get up uh, and sort of add value to them. Uh, whereas with what I'm working on right now, I'm adding value to my end user, to my my customer. I, I wake up every day and I think about how is this bag going to make a traveler's life easier.
1: Um, and that, that's really interesting to me. So let's talk a little bit about that. You wake up every day and you want to make a traveler's life easier. So is this a constant changing thing? I mean, I would think, oh, you design a suitcase and then you go forth and design the suitcase. I mean, are you already thinking of suitcase 2.0 and 3.0?
0: Oh, absolutely. Uh, and, and the suitcase is just, is just our first product. And this won't even be the only suitcase we make. As I said, every, um, Every traveler wants something different, and so this is not the uh, this is not the suitcase for everybody. Uh, there are certainly people that want uh, lots of bells and whistles in their in their bag, and so we've got lots of other ones up our sleeves. Um, but the, ultimately, you how you do that is you chat with a lot of travelers, figure out what's important to them, um, and then start making hard choices because you've got a You know, for example, on a suitcase, um, if you ask people what they want in a suitcase, right? Well, I want it to be light. I want it to be durable. I want it to do all these things. Well, light and durable are actually at two opposite ends of the spectrum because I can make you a super durable bag that's going to last you forever, Uh, but it's going to be a really heavy bag that's probably going to be heavier and more expensive than you're willing to to pay for. Uh, at the other spectrum, I can make you a really light bag. Uh, but is it going to be the most durable bag?
1: I don't know. Yeah, Probably we, could, we could make not. it out of out of, out of burlap, right? I mean, it could be really light. Right.
0: Or I can make it out of some space age material that also makes it more expensive than you're willing to pay. And so there are, there are trade-offs. And so part of the challenge of a product person is to try to figure out what are the right trade-offs and which traveler am I making this product for.
1: Well, as someone who travels, you know, 30, 40 times a year, I can't wait to learn more about your bag. Where uh,
0: so, <laughs> do you fall on the on the light versus, uh, versus
1: durable? So light doesn't bother me one way or the other. I want it to be spacious. I get a little bummed at the bags where there's a lot of, like, you know, hidden compartments, you know, and little bumps in it where it's like when I try to pack because the, the, the pull-up bar, you know, mm-hmm. slides down the middle. And now when I try to put shoes in, I can't maximize the space. So... For me, I just want to be able to have a big cavernous inside that fits well into the overhead. And if it's got wheels, I don't have to lift it very much. So I don't care if it's light. I mean, I end up with a heavy bag. Even my backpack, I put so much stuff into it that it's not light. So I don't, I don't care how much it weighs. Mm-hmm. So because, again, if I'm checking it, I can only do 50 pounds. But if I'm carrying it on, nobody pays attention to me. So Right, right. So I asked you what you loved about the life of of being an entrepreneur. Is there anything you don't like? Is there any time you think, "Wow, if I went back to corporate America, you know, I could have you know a boss who takes care of all these problems. I now I have to deal with it."
0: Oh yeah, I mean that you you pretty much nailed it right there. Which is, I feel like in corporate America, you have a job to do, and your job is to do it very well. And there are a lot of things that you don't have to deal with. And you know, my my first company that. Um, that I was the head of was in South America. That was the the real estate company in in Colombia, and you know it was the first time that I really had to do with that. I had to deal with employee and personnel issues and all of these things. And you just and prior to that, my job was to invest in real estate, find deals, do them well, invest in things that make money, not have to necessarily deal with employees and accounting and things like that. And I and I realized at some point I was like. You know, there is. It, it's not the worst thing in the world to be a senior vice president somewhere and just execute on one singular thing, one goal, and not have to deal with all this fluff and extra and, and other stuff that is not truly adding value to this, to this organization. But at the end of the day, all that stuff is necessary to run a business. And so you have to deal with it, and somebody's got to deal with it, and it takes... Um, I mean, that's just just part of being a CEO, a head of a company. Um, And so some of the little things like that, I think, are frustrating for somebody like me who just wants to see action and always be moving forward, but they're 100% necessary in being, you know, in a startup and an entrepreneur.
1: Sure. So if somebody has a product idea, I mean, I talk to a lot of service people on this show. I talk to a lot of people who have services or they're speakers or they're authors or they're consultants. If somebody has an idea for a product, like you said, hey, I can make a, I can make, make a better mousetrap. I can build a better suitcase. If someone has a product and they want to go off and start a business, what advice do you have for them?
0: Um, find help because there is... I mean getting stuff made especially overseas is extremely challenging and I feel like, I guess the first place to start is really understand what your customer wants and and really if you are building a mousetrap that they want. Um, Second of all, you know, you've got to really pay attention to who your suppliers are once you get down that road and you start Actually, putting something in, into production. I mean, for a suitcase, with what we're doing, is a massively complicated thing. I mean, you you have a suitcase. Think about all the different materials that go into your suitcase. I mean, you probably never thought of it, but there's wheels, the trolley handle. I don't know if it's a soft side bag or a hard side bag, but you've got nylon, you've got zippers, you've got side handles, you've got inner lining, you've got, and it, and if it's a soft side bag, there's all sorts of this, there's a structural stuff underneath this nylon that you can't even see. Those all come from different suppliers. So it's a massively complicated thing. Let's just say 15, 20 different suppliers go into making a suitcase. It's not like making a shirt, you know? Um, And so all of these things, (laughs) you've got to manage these things. And so ultimately finding somebody that's done that before uh, is a pretty helpful thing to do.
1: So for any entrepreneur then, your network of contacts really matters. Yes?
0: Absolutely. But, you know,
1: in my case –
0: I did not come from this world, and I did not have a network to really draw upon. And so what I did was just really just utilize the internet and LinkedIn and stalk people and reach out to anybody and everybody that would chat with me about luggage and say, you know, how did you do it? What what, what should I do? Where do I start? Who should I talk to? Can you help?
1: Right. Well, and that's always what I think is that if you don't have the network, go create it. Absolutely. And you'd be surprised at how many people are willing
0: to to talk with you um, and share their knowledge for free. I mean oh, it is yes. really interesting.
1: No, and that's and it's in every industry you find people who are givers. I mean, there's jerks everywhere, but there are people who are givers who want to see people succeed. People tell me all the time, and I talk about this on the show, they say, oh, I don't, I don't know why you participate in your trade organization because I'm really active in the National Speakers Association. And they go, I don't know why you still go. And I'm like, well, for two reasons. One is I would not be in business if it wasn't for all the advice I got from people that I met along the way who had already been down the path I was trying to go. The other thing is I'm a Texan. And so you dance with the one who brung you. I got all this information and it helped me learn. Even if I go to one conference that, you know, doesn't wow the pants off me, I'm still going to go back next year because that's the one who brung me this far. You, you, you go back and keep dancing with them.
0: Oh, absolutely. Couldn't agree with you more.
1: So I've got a couple more questions for you. But first, I got to thank the sponsor of this episode. So this episode is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. They set you up with the right equipment, training, and guidance to ensure that, you're, that you sound amazing. Podfly does all the heavy lifting and the technical work so that you can focus on creating great content and growing your audience. If you want to start a podcast, and I know some of you are thinking about it, jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and see the offer that they have for the listeners of this show. So, Marcus, I call the show cool things entrepreneurs do. So what is something cool, something new and exciting that you're doing in your business right now? Um, well, I think what we're
0: doing that, uh, one of the things that I'm pretty excited about is, uh, we're building this company pretty much as a, as a partnership with our factory, uh, and our supplier in, in China. Um, A lot of people view their their factories, uh, especially overseas, as uh, expendable, as um, just any sort of arms link transaction. Um, And part of the part of because we had to um, was we've spent a lot of time on the ground with our factory, pretty much living there. I mean, I I spent uh, over four months uh, in China. Uh, going, uh, I was in Shanghai, going to the factory nearly every day, um, to the point where I mean, our factory knows me, the CEO of this of this company, uh, in the way that they would normally not know the CEO of a of a of a suitcase company. And so, we are, you know, we built this product with their help, and they are as invested in its success as as we are. Hmm. Um, and we view them as a partner. Uh, they've they've taught us a lot. Uh, we've shared things with them, um, and they, they actually want to invest in our company. So we're 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 talking
1: about that right now. Well, that's pretty cool.
0: Uh, we don't. I mean, one of the things that that I learned from my time abroad is um, is how to do international international business. Um, really well. And it's it just as anything, as you probably know from your experience, is it's, it's, it all comes down, it's, it's all about people. It's all about the, the, the human experience and the human interaction. And building something like a product with a supplier who views themselves as your equal um, is actually something that's very important to us.
1: No, I think I think that, I think that's great. And I think any time that we partner with other people around us and we do it on a real win-win basis. Now, you got to make sure that your partner is on board with the same idea about what is win-win. But I think any time we do that, we win. And I think so often people get into situations and they want to cut every corner and, and beat everybody. We 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 live in a competitive society, and so sometimes I think people think, "Oh, if I win over my supplier, I win." And I don't know that that's necessarily true.
0: Absolutely, and you know, it's, it is one of these things that outside of the U.S., this um, idea of win-win is not as common as we view it here. In, the, in, in, in other cultures, it is very much, I win, you lose. And getting people to switch that mindset does not happen overnight. Uh, and it requires being on the ground, being in front of people, talking with people, sharing your hopes and dreams, sharing with them your vision to where you're not hiding it and being open book about numbers and all of these things, which I have learned in my experience, there is no substitute for except for being on the ground and being open.
1: So let's talk a little bit about your suitcase. Is it available for purchase yet? It is not.
0: We will launch in a month, uh, which is the end of July uh, and then we'll be off to the races.
1: All right. So tell us a little bit about it. You said you can't put everything into it. What makes (laughs) your suitcase cool?
0: Well, ultimately what we've built is a bag that is fairly simple on the feature set, meaning it is, it has one main compartment um, and one pocket. It's really got two pockets on the outside, one with a zipper, uh, one with a slide in pocket But ultimately what what makes it special is the individual components that we've used. And so I spent months and months overseas sourcing the absolute best wheels on the market and customizing them to be changeable with the hex key. Uh, The absolute best nylon in the world from a supplier found only in uh, Taiwan. The trolley factor from one of the top two suppliers in Asia. The zippers are YKK, which are only found on very few luggage brands out there. And so when we say that this bag is durable, we're not kidding. I mean, it is going to be the same quality found on five, $600 bags for sub
1: uh,
0: $200.
1: So is this a carry-on size or is this a checkable size for your first product?
0: This is a carry-on size. Awesome. See, the, I, max, I, the maximum carry-on size allowable, which is 22 inches tall by 14 inches wide by 9 inches deep.
1: And I know who one of your first customers is going to be, <laughs> and that's me. Love it. So because I, I need another carry-on and I need one soon, so I'll 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 uh, I need the link of where to go. In fact, can people pre-order? Absolutely. Um, where do they go? And, and to actually, do
0: that? what we're doing is a Kickstarter launch. Are you familiar with Kickstarter? Sure. Have you, have you bought stuff on Kickstarter? I have. What did you buy?
1: Uh, so a friend of mine made a, a uh, retractable arm that you could hold your iPad sticky. You could lay in bed and have your iPad kind of hover above you or to your side and it had a clamp so it could clip to a table and a totally movable arm. Uh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. It was, <laughs> I gave it to my kids. I mean, that's why I bought it. I thought oh, the kids would use this. I probably wouldn't lay in bed with my iPad, but the kids would.
0: Well, so, so the reason that we're launching on Kickstarter is really twofold, uh, and the most important is we want to test this value proposition, uh, because um, we could launch straight out of the gate, uh, we could place an order with our factory, um, they would give us, they would do a very small order for us, and we could stock inventory, and we could start selling immediately, but we want to utilize this power of the, of, the, of, the, of the crowd to really help us finish this bag. Uh, and so what we've done is showed our, our prototypes as they exist, the value proposition that we're offering, the colors that we're offering, and ultimately we want everyone out there to tell us, is this the bag you want? And if we're 90% there and other people weigh in on, well, I'd, I would make this trade off versus that tradeoff, we're all ears. So that's really why we're, why we're launching on Kickstarter.
1: So if someone's listening to this, and this will go live in just a few days, so if someone's listening to this and they want to check out the Kickstarter, where do they go?
0: They go to www.tinti.co. That is our website, www.tinti.co. And if you sign up for that mailing list, that will get you um, early access to the Kickstarter where you get the earliest pricing uh, the lowest price available.
1: Awesome. So Marcus, I love to ask the people who come on the show, because I think great entrepreneurs like yourself who are launching great services or great products, you know, I think that's why people tune in and and that's what we want to listen to. And we could talk about you and your luggage all day long. But I think some of the best little nuggets we get on this show is when I ask people who is someone else out there who's doing really cool things as an entrepreneur who you say, wow, they're crushing it. Yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so so my interests lie in the real estate and the and the and the and the travel world uh and sort of so there's a bunch of different people doing really interesting things in both of those spaces out there um I think probably my favorite would be there's a there's a language learning app called uh uh Duolingo, Duolingo Are you familiar with this? Uh no. So Duolingo is a super fascinating concept. It is... Um, it, for people that, that don't know about it, they should look it up, and they should find the, uh, the founder's uh, TED Talk. His name is Louis Von Ahn, and he is like a computer scientist, and he came up with this concept a few years ago where essentially... I'll try to explain it, but it's really fascinating. You're going to love this. For people... For people that want to learn a language, normally they've got to buy language software, right? It's really expensive. In fact, have, have, you, have you learned uh, to speak another language,
1: Tom? Uh, so, I, you know, like everybody in high school, I, I took French. But now when I'm in French, I sound like Pepe Le Pew, so no. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so most of the time when you want to learn a language, you, like, go buy Rosetta Stone and do all these different things, right? Pretty, pretty expensive stuff. But what, what these guys have come up with is this free app. It's free to everybody that teaches you to speak another language, it's beautiful, and what you're doing is translating sentences that come up on the screen. So it gives you a test, you translate different things, and it's proven to teach languages as good as Rosetta Stone or any of these other things. But it's free, 100% free, really well done. But the concept behind it was really fascinating because what what you are doing is, behind the scenes, you are translating all of the content that is on the World Wide Web. And so the, the sentences that you are translating, they collect, they combine all the translations from all these people that are learning a new language. So you're trying to learn Spanish, and you translate an English sentence in, into Spanish. right? So then they combine three or four different translations from people that are learning Spanish. It ultimately is good enough, as a, as, it's as good as a professional translation, and then they sell that. Well, I believe that they sell it to certain professional clients, but ultimately what they're also doing is translating everything on the internet for free.
1: Well, so he's the guy who came up with CAPTCHA. So I just exactly. looked him up online while we were talking because the name sounded very familiar, and so I, I, I Googled him while you were talking. And I always laugh because it's a very small world. Everything always ties back in somewhere. He's a professor at Carnegie Mellon University. And the people who listen to this show know that they get all my money because my daughter just finished her freshman year at CMU. <laughs> and so I, I know all about him because he was the guy who invented CAPTCHA and I'm reading his bio and of course it says Duolingo right here. But uh, yeah, he's a pretty smart guy and he has really done all this stuff for free. I mean, you know, he's put a lot of stuff out there of, of you know, translating and, and, and digitizing things out there. He's really changed the world with the stuff that he's done.
0: Totally. And it's just, it's, it's, it's genius when you think about it. Oh, you know, I mean, you're, yeah. you're, he's adding value to really two people, to the people that want to learn a language and to the people that need stuff translated and getting it done for free.
1: No, absolutely. And uh, they don't mess around at Carnegie Mellon. They have really smart people there. Of course, I didn't go to school there. It's my kid. I can't take any credit <laughs> for it. But uh, I, I laugh at how small the world is when you say a name. I was like, why do I know that name? And uh, lo and behold, that's why. It is a small world. So in addition to being great observers and seeing really fascinating people like Louis Van An uh, and being able to share that with the people who listen because now other people can go Google him and I've got his TED Talk up here to watch as soon as we're done and I'm sure that that is fascinating. I think in addition to being great observers, I think entrepreneurs also want to do more than just make money. I, I think they want to somehow make their mark. So I love to ask the people who come on this show, what do you do to give back? Sure.
0: Well, I think what we, what we envision... Um, for our company is we want to we, we really want to give people the right tools to travel and to travel the right way and to interact with people and so part of what we're doing is we're building a brand that stands for something um, and we have lots and lots of different ideas of where we're going to take this obviously it's early uh, in, our, in our company's history um, but we we want People to get out of their comfort zone, and I know that that's something that that, that entrepreneurs are well versed in, and that's why we think that travel is a it's a pretty good parallel to you know the entrepreneur's journey. But it's it's getting out of your comfort zone and it's trying new things, and we want to give people the right tools to do things the right way. And so part of that is building a brand, human storytelling, and, um, and part of it is building products. So that's what we're up to.
1: Well, I got to say, I, we kicked this interview off kind of rocky because my uh, computer system was not giving us what we really deserved and needed to do a pre-interview. But I got to tell you, this has been one of my favorite episodes because I like the fact that you've just taken the bull by the horns and you're starting something that has the ability to really grow into something amazing that can really help people. Because I'll tell you, as someone who's a frequent traveler, a great bag helps you. And so you know, it sounds kind of interesting that oh, a suitcase can change the world, but I bet you can.
0: Well, thank you. We've got, and it, it, it is sort of funny because for for people that know me and that, I mean, I, my entire career was spent in real estate and finance. I mean, what do I know about making a suitcase? And so there's there's been a lot of people over the past year that I run into, and they're like, "You're doing what? And and why?" Quite frankly, of all the of all the companies you could have started or, or, or chosen, why why are you doing this? And I think that um, it's not necessarily. I think there is a way that our suitcase is going to change the world because hopefully if people will support us uh, and and put their faith into us that we have spent a lot of time and money making a product that is worthy of their money, um, the company and the brand and some of the things that we have up our sleeve, we really do think will make a difference in the world. So thank you.
1: No, that's awesome. So if somebody listened and they just have to find out more information about you or get in touch with you, how do they do that?
0: Sure. Um, well, I have a personal blog at uh, www.MarcusSegui.com, which is M-A-R-C-U-S-S-E-G-U-I.com, and um, they can reach me, uh, reach me via that blog.
1: That's fantastic. Well, Marcus, thank you so much for jumping on. And again, I'll say it a third time. Thanks for being so flexible with the technical difficulties. This was a great episode. And I know that this is going to be one of those episodes where people say, that guy was cool. And I get a lot of those. So <laughs> you'll, you'll be in good company because I get very, very many of those. But but I think this will be one I'll hear a lot about. So thank you again for being on the show. And thank you to everybody who tuned in and listened. Uh, keep tuning in. And we'll be back in a couple of days with another interview with somebody just as cool as Marcus. But in the meantime. Jump over to the Facebook page and leave a comment. Send me an email or a tweet at at TomSinger or at CoolPodcast on Twitter. And, of course, it's Tom, T-H-O-M, at TomSinger.com via email. You can always go to iTunes and leave a review. And, you know, early on in the early days of the show, people did that. It seems like now all the real gung-ho people have left reviews. And yet I know some of you tell me when I run into you or we correspond, you say, oh, yeah, I'm going to leave a review. Follow through. Get that happen. It just makes my day a little brighter and I appreciate it when I get to smile because there was a review on iTunes. I'm so easy to please. So in the meantime, go out there and have a great day. Thank you for being part of the Cool
0: Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at at TomSinger.